0: What is up Tan and J man show nation. It's Monday night. It's December 4th, 2023. So you know what that means? Brand new episode of the tan and J man show episode 368 to be exact for all of you, none of you at home that are keeping count. But I think this is the first time ever at least I know it is for the whole entire hour of the podcast since we started doing an hour, since we started being live in 20, March of 2019 on the ISC Sports Network. It is the first time that the show is going to be a solo show. It's just me, myself, and I, Tanner Lee. Sorry for everybody out there. You have to put up with me and just my voice for an hour. No, Josh the J Man, tonight, and I could not find a replacement tonight. It just turns out all my replacements are Purdue people, are Purdue fans, and the Boilermakers have a big uh, Big Ten matchup coming up tonight at uh, in about twenty nine minutes. They're hosting the Iowa Hawkeyes and uh, see if the Boilermakers can bounce back after uh, their upset defeat up in Evanston, overtime loss Friday night to Northwestern Wildcats, uh, second year in a row that Purdue's went in there ranked as the number one team in the nation and came out on the losing side. So a very frustrating loss for the Boilers. I will have more thoughts on that later on in the show. But I thought we would start off uh, tonight with a birdie or bogey question. Of course, there's nobody for me to compete with, nobody to give me a question. So I am three strokes behind Josh uh, for the year total. I don't know where we'll end up. Uh, When all things are said and done here at the end of 2023, I'm probably going to be on the losing side, hoping maybe I can edge out a tie somehow like I did last year. But I thought I would bring a birdie or bogey question in for everybody and everybody watching at home on the ISC Sports Network or on the ISC Sports Network YouTube page or live on the ISC Sports Network. X page, I still want to call it Twitter, X channel, whatever you want to call it, and the Tan and J Man Show Facebook page, you can uh, drop your comments. Drop your comments, send them my way, and uh, I'll let you know if you get a birdie or bogey at the end of the show. But uh, tonight's birdie or bogey question is, what team, uh, let me bring it up real quick so I don't, um, I don't want to... Read it wrong. Um, I know the gist of the question, but um, yes, here we go. What team has the worst Monday night football road record of all time? So what NFL team has the worst Monday night football record all time, road record of all time? So pretty pretty um, standard question tonight, pretty forward question there. Uh, but there's 32 teams to pick from, so you got a 1 in 32 chance. So good luck. But uh, as it is every week, the birdie or bogey question is brought to you by Arlington Public House. Arlington Public House is located at 703 Main Street in Rochester, Indiana. And they have upscale cuisine and cocktails with a casual atmosphere. Their feature this past weekend was a French onion prime rib Manhattan. Thin sliced, slow slow roasted prime rib on a bed of buttery toast, red skin mashed potatoes, a creamy Swiss Mornay sauce, and finished with a savory brown gravy, green onions, and crunchy breadcrumbs. That's just one of the many items you can get at the Arlington Public House. You will not be disappointed if you go in there. If you go in there, tell them the Tannen Jamin Show sent you Maybe they'll give you something. Maybe they won't, but maybe they'll give you something. So it's worth a try. But uh go in there, great atmosphere, great food. It's like I always say, it's it's a it's a fancy restaurant in a small town and it has a small town feel to it. So I mean it is it is the the best place to eat in Rochester, Indiana, Bar none. One of the best places to eat in northern Indiana. So go there, you won't regret it. Anything you order off the menu, it's good. So you can't make a wrong choice there. So we appreciate them being the birdie or bogey sponsor all year long in 2023. All right. With that all said and done, let's move to our first topic of the night, a topic that has been on my mind since about noon yesterday, and that is the college football playoff. Yes, the college football playoff Has been set in stone. We know the four players, the four players, four teams that are going to be playing for a chance to make the national championship and then ultimately win the national world championship. And that is number one Michigan, which was no surprise there. They're the undefeated Big Ten champs. They beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game on Saturday night. Not only beat Iowa, but blanked them, shut Iowa out. Um, I mean, I knew Iowa wasn't going to score a lot of points, but I thought they might score some. Not the case. Michigan said, Michigan said, nah, nah, so Iowa scoring any points, and I feel bad for that Iowa bar. No, I don't feel bad for this Iowa bar because it's kind of a dumb promotion they had. They were giving away free beer until Iowa scored some points. Wonder how much money they lost the other night because Iowa scored none, zip. Even special teams played all right, but it just it caught up to them all year long. I mean, still to go ten and three is pretty remarkable with the lack of offense that uh, Brian Ferentz and his uh, Hawkeyes on the offense side of the ball produced this year. Because it was it was rough. It was rough to watch and infuriating for from a fans a fan of another Big Ten West schools standpoint because they let you hang on in the game, but they just found ways to beat you beat you ugly um but hey kudos to them kudos to them um but yeah so mishka's number one number two washington huskies they beat the oregon ducks for not only the first time but the second time this season friday night in the pac-12 championship game the last pac-12 game ever played and what a way for those teams in the pac-12 conference to go out this year Arguably the best year they've ever had as a conference. Uh, they had many teams ranked throughout the top 25 all year long. Washington Oregon were constantly in the top 10, if not the top 5, at times. You had Michael Penix Jr. against Bo Nix Friday night. Two guys that are vying for the Heisman. Some could say Bo Nix probably lost the Heisman Friday night. That Michael Penix put himself up there with LSU quarterback J- Jaden Daniels. One and two for the Heisman. We'll find that out. This weekend, I think Daniels is probably going to end, end up winning the Heisman, which is unbelievable. If you would have told me that two years ago when he's at Arizona State, I would have said, you're crazy. But he was pretty phenomenal for LSU, even though they didn't make the playoff. Um, but they were still a top 15 team. So, But in any case, Pennix and Huskies and Kalen DeBoer, who's done a phenomenal job out in Washington in the two years as head coach out there. Um, they got it done. They went undefeated. so They're, they're the number two team called football playoff number three team they are back we i think we can all officially say to the college football world they are back texas longhorns Steve sarkeesian quinn Ewers, and the guys down there in texas in austin texas uh they had one loss this year that was in the red river uh rivalry game against oklahoma uh crazy game back and forth game um but they caught fire after that and went on to smoke, absolutely destroy Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game Saturday, which is the last Big 12 championship game as the conference that we know of the Big 12. It's going to look completely different. Now, Oklahoma State will still be in it next year, but Texas will be part of the Southeastern Conference, the SEC Conference, next year. Um, so, yeah, it would have been more intriguing if that was a rematch from the uh, Texas State Fair of Oklahoma against against Texas, but it was Texas against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State had no answer whatsoever for Texas' offense. And Texas looks like one of the best four teams in the country right now. So they are deservingly in the college football playoff. And the number four spot. Who got the number four spot? The Alabama Crimson Tide. Now they lost earlier this season at home to Texas, who's ranked number three. Hence why Texas is in. Can't have Alabama in without having Texas in. Head-to-head, Texas won. Not only did they win, they went to Tuscaloosa, into Alabama's house. Got the win pretty easily. So you had to have Texas in there. Got to have Alabama in there. Alabama defeated Georgia in the SEC Championship game on Saturday night. Georgia, back-to-back defending national champions. Winning that game with a 29-game win streak. Alabama got the better of them. That's what can happen in, in football. Anybody can win on any given night. No, okay, maybe not anybody, but but you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, Alabama played good, but talent-wise, they're one of the best four teams in college football. I will not argue that. But when you leave out the team that finished number five, the Florida State Seminoles, who went undefeated, and won the Atlantic Coast Conference ACC Conference Championship over Louisville, thank you, Florida State, by the way, over Louisville on Saturday, that just doesn't feel right to me. That's just, that's that's where I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem with all this because I will say, without Jordan Travis, Florida State's quarterback who broke his leg three or four weeks ago, without him, they are not one of the best four teams in college football. I, I, I hear that, I get that. I I understand that. I agree with that. But they still got wins over Georgia Southern and Florida with a backup quarterback. And then over Louisville with a third-string quarterback. And I feel like they're getting a bad rap, an unfair valuation, just from their performance Saturday with that third-string quarterback. They're better with their second-string quarterback than they are with their third-string. I think you need to evaluate them a little bit more of what they did against Georgia Southern and Florida, sec school. You know, everybody wants to talk about sec, sec, sec school and arrival. I think you need to evaluate what they did against those two also. And I'm, you know, the committee, Sit down for 20 some straight hours, watch football, took everything in consideration. I get that. We've seen this in NCAA tournament. I mean, I saw the Purdue Boilermakers back in 2009, 2010 season. Robbie Hummel goes down two weeks before the season ends. They fall, they had a resume to probably at least be a, a three seed, and they were a five seed. I mean, I've seen other teams. Kenyon Martin in, in in Cincinnati. Kenyon Martin, I believe, went down in the Conference USA uh, tournament. That year, if not the week before that, I, that was back in 2000. I was really young. I kind of fuzzy memory here, Um, but they fell down, I think a seed line or two, um, or if not, they should have, and maybe, maybe they didn't and just got bounced early, but we've seen it. Needless to say, we've seen it happen in sports before, but we've never seen it in college football because prior to yesterday's selections. Every conference champion or every Power Five conference champion, I should say, because we've seen non-Power Five schools like University of Central Florida, UCF, go undefeated and then crown themselves as their own national champion, yada, yada, yada. But every Power Five conference champion that has went undefeated has always made the playoff until yesterday. It's Nick Saban bias? Is it in favor of Nick Saban? Is it SEC bias? is it Alabama bias? I don't know. I don't know. I I think Alabama is the better team with uh, without Jordan Travis. They are the better team than Florida State, but I still don't feel right about it. You're 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 telling me that you're basically telling me that in college football, regular season games don't matter. And we've always been told that the regular season games matter. This is the one sport that we've always been told that the regular season games matter more than what happens in the conference championships, bowl games, which bowl games, we'll get into that talk here in a little bit. But now I feel like you just told me it doesn't matter. And yes, thank goodness next year we're going to a 12-team playoff. We're, we're expanding the field from 4 to 12, and that will help. That will help things, but you're still going to have arguments. You're still going to have arguments who should be at 12th team In who gets left out as the 13th team or the 14th team. It's always going to happen. Always got to happen. It happens in the NCAA tournament where we have sixty eight teams, which I'm still a proponent that they don't need to expand that. If they expand it to ninety six or whatever, that's just too many. I mean, there's already too many postseason tournaments in college basketball, anyways. In IT and I, don't, I can't even name any of the others off the top of my head, but I just this just doesn't sit right for me. I have no dog in the fight. I'm not a Florida State fan. I'm not an Alabama fan. I don't really care for Alabama. Um. And are we going to get a better matchup with Alabama against Michigan than we would have Florida State against Michigan? Most likely. I can't, I can't argue there. But what I can argue is you've done this for a decade as a committee, and you've always put the undefeated conference champion in until now. Florida State did everything you asked of them to do in front of them. They won all their games against everybody. And when, jo- when Jordan Travis was healthy, they dominated the team. They dominated you. They beat Florida without them. That's two SEC wins. They just beat Louisville, a 10 win team with their third string quarterback. And their defense defense still one of the best in the country. Their defense, I'd stack up their defense against about anybody's. Defense with championships. So you never know. I mean, we saw Ohio State in 2014 with Car, uh, Cardell Jones, third string quarterback, after, you know, Braxton Miller. Um, I don't know if he switched positions that year. He was hurt, and then JT Barrett got hurt against Michigan. But Cardell, they put up 50-some points against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. So the committee's like, okay, they're definitely still good enough to put in, put them in. Then they beat Alabama and then beat Oregon, became national champs. Who's to say that Florida State uh, couldn't go in and beat Michigan and then beat either Washington or Texas? We'll never know. We'll never know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I feel bad for the Florida State fans. Florida State University, alumni, city of Tallahassee. I think they got screwed. I think they got screwed. Um, and maybe it was all for ratings. So ratings are all money. Alabama's a big brand. Like them or hate them, you've you got to watch them to root against either for them or against them. Same with Michigan. And I uh, totally get why Florida State's mad. Don't blame them one bit. And i got to be honest. I'll be rooting for Florida State in their bowl game against Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Now, bowl games are so hard to predict anymore because of the the transfer portal, which officially opened today for the undergraduates. Which I mean, they could put their names in or announce that they're going to last week on social media. But the days were officially open, and they are officially in the portal. Teams can contact them or legally. I mean, you can't tell me that there wasn't some back channeling, this and that, um, the past week. But legally, can contact them. And there's so many guys in the transfer portal, um, so many guys that won't be playing in these bowl games. So, bowl games are so unpredictable anymore. I mean, I thought about doing a. Excuse me. Got to keep the the voice hydrated here. A lot of talking to do. Um, thought about doing a uh, bowl prediction contest this year for the podcast, but because those are fun, we've done them in the past, but now in, in this transfer portal world, in the NIL world, it's too unpredictable. Sometimes you don't know if they're going to play in a bowl game until the week before, it's too hard to predict. So, we're not doing that, but we'll be, I will be a seminal fan this year in the Orange Bowl against Georgia. So, So, your matchups. Florida State against, against, um, not, Florida State. See? I already worked up. Sorry, I got a frog in my throat here. Michigan against Alabama in the Rose Bowl. in Washington against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. I was really hoping we'd get a Michigan-Washington matchup in the Rose Bowl. Be really fitting for one more time. Pac-12. Big 10, Rose Bowl, granddaddy of them all. Great tradition. Because these two are going to be conference foes next year, Washington and Michigan. So if they happen to play this year in the national championship, then um, the Big 10 is going to be pretty happy there. But, (coughs) excuse me. But there you have it. Those are your four college football teams. Um, Your other teams here, we're looking at other bowl games. Oregon finished eighth. They're going to take on undefeated Liberty, who's 23rd. That's in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, going to have, where's Ohio State? It was number seven. They'll take on number nine, Missouri, in the Cotton Bowl. Number 10, Penn State against number 11, Ole Miss. That's going to be in the Peach Bowl. Uh, what other ranked teams we got? Number 13, LSU against Wisconsin in their quest Bowl. Um, number 17 Iowa against number 21 Tennessee that's in the Citrus Bowl what other matchups do we have the championship I should say is going to be played in Houston Texas on Monday January 8th other big 10 teams uh, Maryland's going to play Auburn and Music City Bowl uh, Notre Dame ranked 16th they're going to play number 19 Oregon State who's as interim head coach since their head coach left for Michigan State and their quarterback today jumped in a transfer portal. Speculated that he's probably going to join his coach in East Lansing. His former coach, should say. They're playing in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Nice of the Sun Bowl to throw a little nice mascot on there. Oklahoma, number 12, playing number 14, Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. That will be an interesting one. What other Big Ten teams? Rutgers against Miami, Florida in the Pinstripe Bowl. So a home game there for Rutgers and a cold weather game for Miami. So I would take Rutgers in that one. Um, Louisville end up making the Holiday Bowl against USC. Future um, Big Ten team there. Um, what are Big Ten teams do we got? Minnesota with a 5-7 and seven record. Yes, they got chosen because there wasn't enough 6-6 six and six teams this year. They're playing Bowling Green in the Quick Lane Bowl this year. Northwestern's going to play Utah in the Las Vegas bowl. Um, and that's going to do it for the big 10. I believe the big 10 bowls this year. So interesting, interesting bowl list this year. I'm still trying to see. Um, I never did hear who's playing in the pop tarts bowl. I'm trying to find that. New sponsor this year, Pop Tart Bowl. Oh, there it is. NC State versus Kansas State, so top twenty-five matchup in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, the Pop Tart Bowls having that edible mascot, a big Pop Tart. So that'll be that'll be something to watch these bowl games. They're just they're not what the, not what they used to be. College football is not what it used to be. College football is not what it was five years ago. And I know Jayman and I talk about this that a lot on on the podcast, but it just kind of hurts me. I kind of messed when the Big Ten was eleven teams. And I'm sure a lot of people are out there, I missed when it was ten. Well, Josh, I don't remember when it was ten. We we've always remembered it as Penn State being part of the conference. But since then, you had Nebraska, then Rutgers and Maryland, now UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon. It is what it is. We have no dog in the fight, unfortunately. We have no say. They don't listen to the listen to the small people like us. Um they should. They should, but they don't. Um we'll always still watch and support. We're sports fans, as well. we do, but uh, we don't always have to like the changes in the ways sports are evolving. Um, in college football, hopefully, this transfer portal and the NIL sorts itself out a little more over the next few years. I think, I think, uh, I think after the COVID year, the COVID eligibility year stuff is done next year. I think that's going to help a little bit because um, I, I honestly looked up the transfer portal rules. The other day, cause I was getting so frustrated in some situations and mad and confused by some other situations. And it's supposed to be a one-time transfer rule. You can transfer from one four year institution to another without sitting out. But then if you want to transfer again, at least as an undergrad, you can only you have to get a special waiver. Um, But once you become a grad transfer, then you can transfer again without sitting out. But this COVID year stuff, you know, for athletes who were eligible in 2020, it's just added a whole another wrinkle of confusion and a mess um but hopefully so hopefully after that's over next year, hopefully it kind of gets gets sorted out, but i mean, as we see it, there's some quarterbacks going into next year in their seventh year of eligibility that's just insane i mean boo Booey for northwestern the guard he's the i think he turns twenty four this week if not twenty five I think he's twenty four i mean that's just that's just crazy. They're playing against 18-year-olds in some cases. So it is what it is. Um, college football playoff, to finish my thoughts, not happy about it. I'm not happy about it at all. I think Fuller State got gypped. Um, at least next year we're going to get a better resolution with 12 teams. Still won't be perfect. There will still be arguments to be made. And I will still be watching the college football playoff. And, and it wouldn't shock me if, if Alabama wins this whole thing now. That's just how I could see it playing out. And, and another argument I have against Alabama they were lucky to even be in this position because they shouldn't have beat Auburn. Auburn had them fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. It was a desperation Hail Mary attempt pretty much in the back corner end zone that they completed. Great pass, great catch. Don't get me wrong. But that, that doesn't happen. We're not, we're not having this discussion. Then I think Florida sticks in. Or you could make the case maybe Georgia gets in because I still think Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. They just had a little – they just got outplayed. By Alabama one one night, and that's all it took. So, you know, they won 29 straight games, had two national championships to show for it, but fortunately they don't have a third SEC championship or a chance to get a third straight national championship. So is what it is. Is what it is. So all right. Well, let's stick with college football a little bit in a word association. I thought I would just look back at some Heisman Trophy winners in the past. I'll give you my first few few thoughts. Um, that come to mind when I think about these guys. Um, Heisman Trophy goes back since 1935. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go back and tell you about Jay Burwanger of Chicago running back 1935 because I don't know anything about him. I mean, Davey O'Brien in 1938, the t- TCU quarterback, is the first one I've even heard of. And that's just because of the Davy O'Brien Award, that's rewarded to the nation's best collegiate quarterback every year. That award was made after him. So, uh, let's fast forward a little way, shall we? Um, let's see here. Okay, 1963, Navy quarterback Roger Staubach won as a junior. Yeah, Roger was kind of America's quarterback there for the Cowboys for a while. One of the Cowboy legends. Uh, that's back when Navy was winning national championships. Winning tons, tons of games every year. Then he went and had a good professional career with the Cowboys. So Roger Stahl back there. And in 63, 66, the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, Florida. Um, yes. So Steve Spurrier before he was a great collegiate football coach with Florida and then pretty good one at South Carolina. We won't talk about his NFL days with the then Washington Redskins. He was a good quarterback for the Florida Gators. 1968 OJ Simpson. Of course he has <laughs> still to this day, a lot of off the field issues, um, but uh, one of the best college running backs to ever play the game, USC. But yeah, produced Leroy Keyes that year, by the way. Um, Archie Griffith, 1974 and 75, Ohio State running back. Still, does they the only Heisman Trophy winner to go back to back gears? Uh, let's see here. Um, man, the 70s were the. Was this it was every year in the 70s? Uh no, 70, 71, 72 were won by non running backs. But after that, you had a string of Heisman Trophy winners from 73 clear through 83. So 10 years in a row where the Heisman Trophy winner was running back. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Doug Flutie, 1984. Uh, Boston College. Sorry, I'm finding a tickle in my throat tonight. Looks like I'm crying on air here, but it's got something in my throat and I can't get it out. 1984, Doug Flutie, Boston College. Um, One of the greatest college football plays of all time. Throwing up the Hail Mary against Miami to beat them. Makes short guys proud everywhere. We to have a pretty good pro career for the Bills and the the Chargers amongst some other teams. But, um, yes, one of the best college football quarterbacks of all time. Entertaining player. Bo Jackson, 1985, Auburn running back. One of the best athletes of all time. Bo Jackson was a freak athlete. Vinny Tesverde, 1986, Miami, Florida quarterback. Vinny played for, I think, more NFL teams than anybody else. At least as a quarterback. Tim Brown, 87, Notre Dame, wide receiver. Then he turned tight end when he got to the pros to the Raiders. He's Notre Dame's last Heisman Trophy winner. Barry Sanders, 88, Oklahoma State running back. There's a great documentary on Amazon Prime right now. Um, I haven't watched it yet about Barry Sanders. I'm planning to. Soon I've heard he's really good. But uh, one of the best running backs ever, not only collegially for Oklahoma State, but also in the pros for Detroit Lions. And he had retired his prime, stepped away like great Lions like to do. Calvin Johnson. Um, let's fast forward here a little ways down the line. Um, 2000, Chris Weeky, Florida state. Um, your runner up was Josh Heupel. Your third place winner was Drew Brees, fourth place, Michael Vick and fifth place, Ladane Thompson. So who didn't fit in there? Well, actually Josh Hypel, because he never played in pros. Chris w- Winkie was at least drafted and played for the Carolina Panthers a little bit, but the other three behind those two had pretty, uh, pretty good NFL careers. Two of them will be Hall of Famers. One could have if he didn't do some horrible acts off the field. Uh, Troy Smith in 2006 for Ohio State quarterback. He was the last Big Ten winner. It's pretty hard to believe. How many good teams the Big Ten have had since 2006. He's the last Big Ten Heisman Trophy winner. It's kind of like basketball. Last time the Big Ten have had a national championship winner was Michigan State in 2000. So, um, yeah, just... Those are two facts that are kind of hard to believe, but here we are. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of my uh, favorites for some, uh, for many reasons, Tim Tebow, 07, Florida Gators. Uh, one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. One of the most popular college athletes of all time, I would say. Went on to have a program for the Denver Broncos, then the New York Jets, uh, then the New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles, even though he never made those teams. Then he tried out for the Jaguars as tight end but never made it, but Timothy Tebow, definitely one that um, anybody who likes college football is always going to talk about Tim Tebow. That Moody with a few comments here on Facebook. Uh, Conference realignment, NIL, Portal, Death of College Sports. I'm hoping it all kind of evens out eventually, but it's not liking the way things are going for sure. And uh, one minute ago he says Fist Magic has them be for NFL teams played, uh, talking about Vinny Tesla That's true. Fist Magic played, and th- that's a good comparison. Fist Magic and Vinny Tess Fitzmagic's Magic's played all over the league, too. And he said the Barry Sanders documentary is awesome. So I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Uh let's see here. Um man got it on a quarterback streak from 2010 through 14 with Cam Newton, RG3, Robert Griffin, the third, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Jameis Winston's still in the NFL out of those guys. Cam Newton is not. Marcus Mariota is as well, I think. He's a backup somewhere. Jameis is a backup in New Orleans, even though I think he should be starting over Derek Carr. Um, then you got Derek Henry, 2015. He's still a beast to the day. He was a beast for Alabama back then running the football. He's a beast for the Titans nowadays running the football. Think he'd be slowing down with old age, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Lamar Jackson, 16, Louisville, one as a sophomore, um, dynamic um, dynamic quarterback, a guy that when he went to the pros said uh, he won't be a quarterback. Well, the Ravens took a flyer on him late in the first round, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's turned into not only a good mobile quarterback, but he's good at throwing the football too. He can hang it in the pocket and become a pocket quarterback when he needs to be. Then that was followed up by some short quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, who are still starting quarterbacks in the league today. Baker's on his, how many teams has he played for? So he was a Brown, then a Panther, then a Ram, Buccaneers. So he's four, on his fourth team. Kyler Murray's still on his first team for now. We'll see what his future in Arizona holds. Joey B., Joe Cool, Joe Burrow in 2019, LSU, arguably the best collegiate single collegiate football season we've seen out of quarterback. Then LSU to a national title that year. But, um, yeah, he wasn't good enough for Ohio State or good enough to go to Nebraska when he was interested, uh, according to Scott Frost. So always like to bring that up. Devontae Smith, 2020, the COVID year, Alabama wide receiver, still doing good things for the Eagles now in the league. Bryce Young, 2021, uh, Alabama, so back-to-back winner for Alabama. Number one pick by the Carolina Panthers. His rookie season hasn't been what I think the Panthers fans in, in front office were hoping for. If they had to do it again, I think they would listen to Josh and I, I pick C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's looking pretty good for the Houston Texans, but in last year Caleb Williams, USC probably gonna be the number one pick in the NFL draft come April. But uh, didn't have the greatest season this year. But the NIL money, like that Mooney was just talking about, he he's cashes and he's got that that Windy sponsorship amongst others. So so yeah, that's gonna do it with my. Uh, Thoughts on some of the Heisman Trophy winners throughout the past. And like it is every week, the word Association segment is brought to you by Performa Print 2 Promo Group. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for next trade show, company picnic, or a sales meeting in 2024, Performer Print 2 Promo Group has over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for fast and efficient response to all your print needs. You need to look no further. Let them be our one-source print and promotional company today by giving Barbara Van Weinsberg a call at 574-210-3815. And before we get into talking some NFL and some college hoops, I always like to try to get a little smarter every now and then and try to educate myself on things, especially when it comes to sports. So let's talk about some of the sporting events that have happened on this day on November 4th. On this day, 1909, the first CFL Canadian Football League Grey Cup was held. Um, That's a big, big deal up there, of course, in Canada. It was, uh, let's see, the University of Toronto Blues beat the Toronto Parkdale Canoe Club 26-6. The Blues went undefeated. Um, Also on this day, 1909, what a big day for the country of Canada. Um, The oldest still operating NFL franchise officially established as Jay Ambrose O'Brien and Jack, not going to try to pronounce his last name. He has a French last name, create the club de hockey Canadian known today as the Montreal Canadiens. They've been pretty good over time. Um, Let's see here. A lot of great cup. Um, A lot of Heisman trophy, of course. Um. Interesting one here. On this day, 1961, the smallest New York Knicks crowd in attendance uh, happened that night, as only 1,300 people showed up to watch the Knicks, caused by a snowstorm. Um. Let's see what else we got here. hmm not a lot in the 70s not a lot in the 80s on this day in uh well let's see here on this day in 1996 the orlando magic tied the nba record of fewest points scored since the inception of the 24 second shot clock losing to the cavaliers 84 to 57. that's gotta still stand today 57 points the 24 24- Second shot clock era. That's that's wild. On this day, nineteen ninety seven, the NBA suspended former Golden State Warrior guard Luttrell spreewell for one year for attacking coach PJ Carl Mizzolissimo. You can find that on YouTube. Pretty wild. Pretty wild stuff. He was kind of the uh, Ronner Test or Meta World piece before Ronner Test got in the league. A lot of conference championship games here. On this day in 2017, New York Giants fired head coach Ben McAdoo and manager Jerry Reese after a 2-10 start. Ben McAdoo, he always kind of reminded me of a Simpsons character. I don't think I'm the only one that set that out there either. And that's going to do it for the On This Day list. Uh, not a lot of great sporting events on this day in December 4th, but hopefully the list next week on December 11th will be a little better. But... In any case, the On This Day segment is brought to you like it is every week by Mooney Woodcrafts. Mooney Woodcrafts is a veteran-owned and operated woodcraft shop based out of Texas with Indiana Grassroots. They provide 100% hand-cut custom designs to fit your needs, and their pieces are a great addition to any home, office, or man cave. You can see some of their recently completed projects by visiting them at Mooney Woodcrafts on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you let them know the Tanner and Jamin Show sent you, you get 15% off your sign order. So get those sign orders in. I don't know what Thad's turnaround time is right now. You might be too late. Get those sign orders in and back in time for Christmas. But even if so, his signs make a great gift to the sports fan in your family or the sports friend you have out there. And they only have to be sports fans. They can be, be, uh, he makes family signs. He makes growth charts, like you said, in there. And read. he makes military signs. He's very talented, does a great job with his woodcrafts. He can make a, a sign or anything like that for anybody, for any occasion, is what I'm trying to say. So you won't be disappointed to get your order in. Make sure you do that. Make sure you, you tell him the Tana Jamin Show sent you so you get 15% off your order. All right. So... Uh, yeah, we were talking uh, college football earlier, so uh, let's talk some pro football. And uh, before I do that, I want to check the score of this Purdue-Iowa game real quick. That is nine minutes old. Um, and Purdue's up nine to four, so that is good news for me so far. Very early, very early, very early. So but let's talk some pro football. The week that was in the NFL, week 13. I know it's not in the books Quite yet, because tonight the Jaguars host the sazanada Bengals. I think the Jaguars should take care of business there pretty easily. But you never know. It's the NFL. It's been pretty unpredictable this year. A lot of tight races going on for those playoff spots. Uh, so three winners, three losers, and I get the pick. I don't have to have six ready this week. Just three, because I got nobody um, given their Winners and losers this week. It's just me, myself, and I. Once again, I apologize for that. Uh, that you have to hear my voice for a constant hour. But we're we're getting down the home stretch here. Don't worry. Stick with me here. Uh, one of my winners. It's got to be the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I keep thinking this team's not very good, and I still don't think they're that talented. But Shane Steichen, um, I believe how you pronounce his name, rookie head coach. He's doing a great job in Indianapolis. Gardner Minshew, the guy who's supposed to be the backup. He's just finding ways to win games. This team's just finding ways to pull it out. I mean, they blocked two back-to-back punts yesterday on the road in against in Tennessee against the Titans, division rival. Pull out the win in overtime. I mean, they got teams on their heels. I mean, they're right now they're in the wild card, as are the Steelers and the Browns. And then on their heels, you got AFC South rival Houston Texans. You got the Denver Broncos who lost a heartbreaker to the Houston Texans yesterday. Still got the Cincinnati Bengals there. Of course, you got the Buffalo Bills, who yeah, I know they have probably the arguably the toughest remaining schedule of all those teams I've already mentioned, but I think they're the most talented. So don't count them out. And you also got the Chargers hanging out there, hanging around there who are talented. So even with all this pressure, they got a very manageable schedule going forward. Culture just finding ways to win games. So they are one of my winners. One of my other winners yesterday, the Miami Dolphins. They, I mean, okay, they didn't put up 70 points like they did week three against the Broncos, but their offense looked awesome yesterday, putting up over 40 points on the road against Washington, a Washington team who usually has a pretty good defense. I I know they trade some of their pieces away this year at the trade deadline. And uh, Ron Rivera is probably a dead man walking for, for Black Monday, unfortunately. Happens to good guys sometimes. But Dolphins offense offense was awesome yesterday. Tyreek Hill, thankfully for my fancy team, even though it's not gonna matter because my fancy team is gonna drop like their fifth straight L after having a pretty darn good start to the season. Tyreek was awesome. That that offense, man, when they're clicking, I mean, they're definitely a top four team in the NFL. Um, maybe maybe the best in the AFC. That offense is clicking. Um, they're fun to watch. So, definitely a winner. My third winner. Even though it broke my, oh no, I was gonna. I was gonna go with the Texans. I was gonna go with the Texans because Goodwin. And I'll talk about them, anyways. I, they're not one of my three winners. They are a winner in my book, but not one of my three winners. But CJ Stroud, uh, rookie wide receiver target Dell goes down for the year with a broken leg yesterday, but um, they found a way to get it done against the Broncos. Uh, their defense played well. Anderson was all all over the field. Um, so was Stingley Jr., um, Forrest, Russell Wilson, the three interceptions, including the game-winning interception in the red zone. when In the end zone, when the uh, Broncos got down to the red zone, I thought they were going to extend their win streak to six games and um, find a way to pull out another one, kind of uh, Tebow-esque, my high magic from the 2011 season, but wasn't meant to be. Winning streak stopped at five. Um, Texas got a big, big win to improve to seven and five why the uh, Broncos fell to six and six. Uh, But so my third winner is the Green Bay Packers. You know, I I kind of forgot about them. That's why I was looking at my list here. You can also say the San Francisco 49ers winning at Philadelphia and probably putting their stomp as the, uh, their mark as the best team in the NFL right now. Every time we speak that in existence on this podcast, that team turns around and lays an egg the next week. So we'll see what they do. But they were awesome. On the road against Philadelphia, killing the Eagles. So he could also put them as a winner. But I am my third winner is the Green Bay Packers, winning at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now improving their record to 500 right there in the playoff mix. Who would have thought that a handful of weeks ago? Didn't know if Matt LaFleur was a good coach without Aaron Rodgers. He's proven to know, he's proven that he knows a thing or two about what he's doing. Jordan Love. He's showing he's got a little and Rogers in him with some of those throws he makes. A guy that Josh and I were saying, eh, he's not the guy for the Packers about a month and a half ago. Changed my tune. I do think he is the guy. I think he is the guy going forward for the Packers. So I think the Packers got themselves another pretty good quarterback. Maybe not to the level that Rogers and Farvin were, but good enough to win the games. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Unless, you know, you're trying to make the college football playoff, then I guess that doesn't really matter. But all right, I digress. I'll get off my soapbox there for a little bit. But those are my three winners this week. Like I said, I could have picked some others. Three losers. Um, oh, New England Patriots, one of my losers. I mean, they're not even in contention. So I guess you could say, why are you putting them in their lose, losing cate- loser category? They're just so bad. This is a franchise that was so good for so long. They're just so bad. They seem to get worse every game. And they lost yesterday to the Chargers at home. I score six to zero. Defense play well enough. You hold your opponent six, six points. Better win the game, but Bailey Zapp, his quarterback, doesn't matter. Him, Mac Jones, doesn't matter. It's like New York Jets. they are scraping, maybe throwing a fourth guy in the mix. Doesn't matter. Your team's g- trashed, garbage. Quarterback plays garbage. Belichick's probably done. Probably wants out. Probably going to coach somewhere else next year. Can't say I'm not mad to see the downfall of the New England Patriots, but the one once dynasty that was. But, yeah, they are in my loser category. Um, are those Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, if Kenny Pickett doesn't go down with an ankle injury, which Mike Tomlin today said he had surgery and he's out for Thursday night's game against New England, they'd probably find a way to get that done, but bad loss at a bad time. To lose to a team like the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I mean Steelers are trying to make the playoffs, and you can't you can't afford a loss like that because a lot of these playoff spots are probably gonna come down to tiebreakers. And and every loss hurts. And lastly, my last loser. Um you know, I'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles for being the last loser. I I I should throw the NFL referees in there because the NFL referees just seem to get worse and worse every week. But the Eagles you're arguably the best team in the NFL. You're at home against a team that you saw last year in the NFC Championship, that you blitzed in the NFC Championship. Now, I remember Brock Purdy did go down in that game. Brock Purdy did not go down yesterday because he did not go down injured. Uh, he was awesome. Threw four touchdowns over 300 yards, and the 49ers were rock and rolling. They are fun to watch. They went in there and punched the Eagles in the mouth. Now the Eagles have a tough, tough task going to Dallas this week. So, Eagles that one loss could compound into two losses pretty easily. So, not a good time to have a big L. Big L there, but uh, that's what the Eagles did and that's why they make them my my list as losers. And NFL referees, like I said, I mean, last night in the primetime game, they missed the defense pass interference I should have gave the Chiefs and I was rooting for the Packers. Everybody knows how I feel about the Chiefs. Can't stand them. Always root for them to lose. But should have gave the Chiefs the ball in the red zone with a chance to Score and then they would have had to get two point conversion, taken to overtime. And if they did all that, they probably win the game. But they missed a blatant defensive pass interference. Uh, but the, another call that got called that not a lot of people, at least in the media, are talking about this morning, is the personal foul call and the late hit call against Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes was still in the field to play. And what are we doing here? You can't throw that flag. He's still in the field to play. It was a half second later and he's out of bounds. He gets hit. Then you call that, but. There's no consistency in the NFL. Uh They need to figure something out in the offseason. You need to be able to review. Maybe it's under a certain minute mark. I don't know. You need to be able to throw a challenge flag against the penalty and have it reviewable. They could have reviewed that defense pass interference in seconds and got overcorrected. Um, I understand they're humans, NFL officials, but just too many mistakes, too many constant mistakes, too many inconsistent calls anymore. Um I just hope it doesn't really cost somebody money in the playoffs. We've seen it happen before. Saints-Rams, NFC Championship game. Hope it doesn't happen again. But I am picking games for week 14. I did not. I did a lot of homework today. Did not look up who won between Josh or I. I'll just, I'll just say I did for week 13, but I probably didn't. But um, without looking up, I'll just say I did for the fun of it. So week 14, uh, picking games, uh, 15 games. We do have two teams on by. I know the Cardinals are one of them. I do not remember who the other team is. That's on a buy-off top of my head. But uh, Week 14 action starts with New England Patriots traveling to Pittsburgh for Thursday night. Uh, Like I said, I don't know who's going to be starting for the Patriots. I don't think it's going to matter. They're terrible either way. Steelers will be starting Mitch Trubisky in place for the injured Kenny Pickett. But I am going with the Steel Curtain for seven confident points. I think they get it done. And I think Mitch adds a little... uh, a little different aspect to that offense than Kenny Pickett does. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Atlanta Falcons, the NFL's NFC South leading Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons get it done at home. I'm putting five contact points on them. Blue and black division here, NFC North, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears rematch. From the game a couple weeks ago when the Bears gave the Lions all they want but couldn't pull it off. Lions bounced back with a win against the Saints yesterday. I think the Lions get it down the road. Give me the Lions for 12 confident points. Indianapolis Colts travel down the road to play the Sasalada Bengals at Cincinnati. Um, Wish I could kind of see what the Bengals do tonight against the Jaguars before picking this game, but I've been pretty hard on the Colts this year, but they keep finding ways to prove me wrong and win games. I am taking the Colts this week for four confident points. Jacksonville Jaguars at Cleveland Browns. Uh, Browns got a loss yesterday to the Rams, who are starting to come on. Uh, Browns' starting quarterback's Joe Flacco. I assume he's still going to be their starting quarterback going forward. Yeah, Joe Cool, Joe Elite, Joe, whatever you want to call Joe Flacco. Uh, those many, uh, laughable nicknames uh his best years are way behind him give me the Jaguars for 13 content points Carolina Panthers at New Orleans Saints I don't like the Saints team right now don't like the way Derek Carr is playing I'm done defending the guy Josh was always right about him I was wrong Ollie Crow on that one but they're head and shoulders better than the Panthers give me the Saints for 10 content points he's in Texas at New York Jets CJ Stroud's a dude he is a man He's the rookie of the year. He is special. He's going to be special for many, many years. That defense is good. Jets are awful. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for them. They're going to be awful till next year uh, when Aaron Rodgers is presumably going to be healthy. I mean, he's back practicing somehow. I don't know what kind of voodoo that guy's doing, but he's back practicing. But give me the Texans for 11 confidence points. Rams at Ravens, one of the more intriguing games, I think. Ravens coming off a bye week. Rams, like I said, they're hot all of a sudden. A nice little win streak for them going. But I like Baltimore at home, giving Baltimore for eight confident points. Vikings at Raiders, hard one to predict here. Josh Dobbs has finally come down to earth and thrown picks all over the place last time we saw him last Monday night. They are coming off a bye week, though, so are the Raiders. I like Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders at home here for six confident points. Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. Like I said earlier, I think the Niners right now are the best team in football. There's your kiss of death. So if you're betting, put something on the Seahawks. But I think Seahawks are done. They played well Thursday night against the Cowboys in a forty-one to thirty-five loss. But I think they're done. And I, uh, I think I said this last week on last week's show. Actually, this is going to be my Tanner's prediction of the week. It's usually J Man's p- prediction, book of prediction of the week. But this will be Tanner's book of prediction of the week. Not only do I think Seattle b- loses to San Francisco this week, I think at the end of the year they don't make the playoffs. And Pete Carroll retires from the, either gets fired or just retires from the NFL. And it's done, and Seattle will have a new head coach starting next year. So that's my book it. Mark it down right now. December 4th, Pete Carroll done after this year Co- as the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And Jamie's Book of Prediction Week is brought to you by, like as every Indian Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis watching for life, home, auto, life, home, auto, and Raiders insurance plus annuities and more. Contact Travis. He's a multi light agent. He can help you out. Contact him at 219-869-4561, or his email is travis.watring at infb.com. So, yes, I am picking the Niners, and I have, how many confident points do I have? 14 confident points on the Niners in that game. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. Bills really need this one uh, to get back in the mix. Uh, They got tough. Tough stretch coming down. Kansas City, never um, probably a good thing to pick against them, especially at home, especially coming off a loss. So I'm taking the Chiefs for three confident points. Will Taylor Swift be in tennis? I don't care. Don't care either way. Denver Broncos at LA Chargers. AFC West matchup here. Both teams trying to battle out to get into the wild card. Tough spread stretch here for the Broncos too, but more manageable than probably the Bills have. Broncos played tough yesterday at Houston, but three turnovers. Just did them in. Um but I'm taking the Broncos. Taking the Broncos for two. Philadelphia Eagles at Dallas Cowboys. Great game here. Sunday night game. Give me the Cowboys for one. Disney Titans at Miami Dolphins. This is my 15-pointer. Dolphins roll. And Green Bay Packers at New York Giants. Giants are dead in the water. DeVito's been a fun little story for them out there. But... Packers play with confidence, and when you're playing with confidence, it's a dangerous thing. Give me the Packers for nine confident points. So before I wrap up the show with uh doing the birdie or bogey question once again, we got a few more comments here on Facebook from Thad Mooney. Thank you, Thad, for uh watching tonight. Really appreciate it, especially when I'm flying solo here. Colts winning, powered by the magic Minshew mustache. Very well put. Fran McCaffrey with a technical with 12 minutes left. Boilers up 10. That's just beautiful. Glad Franz went, uh, Francon five already. Um, you can always get him rattled, especially in Mackey. That's a beautiful thing to see. So I was hoping to leave myself more time to talk about big 10 hoops and college hoops, but I didn't, but I'll, I'll talk for a few minutes, but not too long. We'll talk, talk more about next week, but yeah, unfortunately Purdue, uh, for Purdue fans sake, we're, uh, was defeated. Friday night up in Evanston in overtime. Frustrating game. Uh, Purdue missed a lot of chances at the free throw stripe. Three-point stripe behind the arc. Start off 3-for-5, and in the game 5-for-19. A lot of those looks wide open. And Edge had way too many turnovers. So it's the same formula with how they've been losing games the past few years. Turnovers and missing threes. Ain't got to give credit where credit was due. I mean, some of Northwestern's guys, Boo Booey in particular, just went off. I mean, contested shots, making contested shots and Purdue found out two of Northwestern's big guys in regulation. So when Purdue forced overtime, which was great to force overtime, I and mean, Zach Eady hit a pretty much a buzzer beater, hit a game tying shot with .6 seconds left, you're going into a fresh set of five minutes, you're thinking, ah, Purdue should roll here. And they got up four overtime by credit to Northwestern, that crowd at West, Welsh Ryan Arena that was rocking. And, and uh, they fought back and got it done, and Purdue's – not only has their first loss of the year, but first conference loss, and they're knocked off that number one pedestal. And they did only fall to number four today, so um, didn't fall too far. Uh, but uh, Purdue's, Purdue's got to get got to get used to this. Um, got to get used to this uh, being being everybody's the hunted for everybody, I guess you could say, being the target on the back. being I mean, everybody's kind of quote unquote Super Bowl maybe this year for for a lot of Big Ten foes. Um, you know, you got to embrace it. And find ways to win. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it was to some people on social media. Um, some Purdue, quote unquote, fans on social media really just needed to go outside the other night, catch some fresh air, touch some grass, do something because um, it was pretty embarrassing. But I said f- fans in quotations because I don't know if those were really Purdue fans or trolls acting like Purdue fans or people who hate, hate Matt Payer for some reason, which never understood. If Matt Painter was to go anywhere, Purdue basketball would be in a lot more trouble than they are now. Purdue basketball, as Purdue basketball fans, were pretty blessed. Yes, we'd like more success in March, but I do think it's coming. Uh, but as far as regular season, you can't ask for much more success. So, so Purdue Falls to Northwestern Indiana, big home win over Maryland, get off the right foot there. Maryland's just not playing good basketball right now. Other scores around the Big Ten. Uh, as Purdue is up thirty-four to fourteen right now, with eight forty-six left in the first half, so they are rolling. Um, let me see other scores here. Uh, Creighton went to Nebraska and crushed them yesterday, eighty-nine to sixty. So Nebraska falls for the first time this season to an in-state rival. There, Ohio State beat Minnesota by ten. Uh, Bucknell went into uh, Penn State and beat them by nine on Saturday. Wisconsin with the upset. One of the upsets of the week, beat number 3 Marquette by 11 at home. Oregon beat a big future Big Ten uh, um, conference participant. Oregon beat Michigan by three in overtime on Saturday. And Illinois, the only other ranked team besides Purdue, uh, maybe Wisconsin might have fell in the rankings this week. I apologize. I might have seen that incorrectly. Uh, Illinois took care of business uh, against Rutgers by 18 over the weekend. So don't have enough time to preview and pick games this week. Unfortunately, I didn't manage my time all that great. But um but yeah, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the Big Ten play so far. Uh through the first weekend. Um in around the country, like I said, there was upsets everywhere. Villanova lo- lost to Drexel. Uh Kentucky lost to UNC Wilmington. Like I said, Marquette lost to Wisconsin. Duke lost to Georgia Tech. So teams are falling all over the place. So it's it's early in the season, but upsets are Bound to happen and happening already. So, uh, once again, my birdie or bogey question today is, what NFL team has the worst Monday night football road record of all time? And I saw on Facebook here already, Dan and Cindy Munt uh, commented the Bears. Always a great guess when it comes to something about history of the NFL because the Bears have been around so long, and maybe in this case about losing history, but it is not the Bears. It is actually a road games, and they have lost their last nine. So if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, things bode well in your favor tonight. So, Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight, everybody, for the past hour. I really appreciate it be back next week. Same time, same channel. Have a great week, everybody.